the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel.
The Good Shepherd. Let us pray. Almighty God, as I share the word you've placed on my heart, as I share your word, Lord, would you cause it to accomplish its purpose in the heart of each precious person in this place. Lord, encourage our hearts tonight and lift us up I pray in your holy name. Amen. I was just a youngster when I came home and announced to my mother and father that I wanted to be a pastor. I don't remember how old I was, maybe three or four years of age. And they said, good, Raymond. Now that means you're going to have to be a good boy. I took that in. Then I told my pastor, I want to be a pastor. And he said to me, then Raymond, you're going to have to plan to go to college. And as I matured, finishing grade school, I wanted to know what's college because no one in my family had gone to college. What's college? Well, I was told And then they gave me the bad news. If I wanted to be a pastor, I had to go to graduate school. Then they gave me the really bad news. If I want to be a pastor, I've got to take Greek and Hebrew. I took all of these things into my soul and said, this is what I have to do. And there was never any variance in my plan. I went straight through college, won a scholarship to graduate school, finished graduate school, became a pastor. And now I wanted to know, how do I be a successful pastor? Well, if you want to be a successful pastor, you have to have counseling skills. So off I went to gain counseling skills and learn how to be a pastoral psychotherapist. And then they told me that if I wanted to be a successful pastor, I had to build up the church. I had to make the church grow. Well, how do you make the church grow? So I went to all the church growth seminars, and I began to follow their marketing strategies. I discovered you had to find a need and fill it, find a hurt and heal it. And I learned all these wonderful slogans. And all of this was for me to be a pastor. This is what I had to do. Now, never once in all of those years did anyone, even in seminary, suggest that if I wanted to be a pastor, I should follow Jesus. That was not on the agenda. Never once was it suggested to me that if I wanted to be a pastor, I should read the scriptures. Rather, I was told I should read the church fathers. I was told that I should read the philosophers of the day. I should read Camus and all the French philosophers. I should know how to deal with the worldly man. I should know his arguments. Never once was it suggested to me that I should go into my prayer closet and pray. That was not part of the agenda. 
The only prayer I can remember in seminary were the perfunctory prayers of the professors before they gave their erudite lectures. Never once can I remember a professor pulling together a group of men and saying, let's just seek the Lord. Many times as a pastor, I would go to conferences, and there above the stage would be these awesome words. No longer doing business as usual. And then the conference would be about bodies, bucks, and bricks. They would say, let's find revival, because when we find revival, we'll find success in ministry. I found so many paths, so many suggestions on how to be successful, so many seminars, so many workshops, so many conferences, so many books, so many tape series, so many magazines, so many radio broadcasts, so many television shows. But I didn't find Jesus. I read in the scriptures in John the 10th chapter, verse 1, I tell you the truth. The man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. And my heart was convicted. I said, I then must be a thief and a robber, because I've been trying to enter in to the sheepfold where God's people are by means of human endeavor. I've been trying to become educated enough. I've been, I've been working hard on becoming skilled enough to have enough empathy and enough understanding. I've been trying to be the coach. I've been trying to be the CEO. I've been trying to be the, the cheerleader. Oh, Jesus. Keep everybody happy. If somebody gets mad, go immediately after the service and visit them and draw them close and do everything you can to make sure that they're happy because you can't influence them if they leave. Never mind that their tithe goes with them and your budget will hurt. Well, according to this word, if I try to climb into the sheep pen in some other way than the gate, I'm a thief. Jesus says he's the gate. So if I try to enter into ministry through my head knowledge, I'm a thief. If I try to enter into ministry by some human means, I'm a thief. If I try to enter in by having a great band, I'm a thief. If I try to enter into ministry in any way, save through Jesus Christ in person, I'm a thief. Does that tell you anything about the condition of God's people today? We have been robbed. We've been lied to. We've been conned. We've been sheared. Let's go a step further. The man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of his sheep. The watchman opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. 
He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he has brought out all of his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Now, I want you to get the picture. In that day, they had a common sheep pen. And each shepherd would bring in their little flock. And they would hire a watchman to stay with the sheep overnight to make sure that no one would steal the sheep. And then as the shepherds arrived, they would go in and call their sheep, and their sheep would follow them out of the pen on their way to water and a pasture. And so Jesus is now using a figure of speech, and he's saying, if somebody tries to climb into this sheep pen to call out the sheep in any way except the gate, he's a thief. But the... The shepherd walks in through the gate. He calls his sheep, and they follow him because they know his voice. Well, they did not understand what Jesus was trying to tell them. That's what it says in verse 6. Therefore, Jesus is going to try again to make his point. He says in verse 7, this is John 10, verse 7, I tell you the truth. I am the gate for the sheep. All who ever came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. Now, here's the issue that we need to look at. Jesus is saying that life is a process of going in and resting and coming out and going to pasture and going to drink. That that's life. Go in and come out. Go in and come out. And that the fruit will grow naturally in the life of the person And in this case, it's a sheep, and the product he has to offer is his wool. So the sheep simply follows the shepherd to a place of rest and then to a place of activity. Then back to the place of rest, going in and coming out. Now you say, of course, what's hard about that? Well, have you been coming in and going out? And who have you been following? Imagine, just for a minute with me, the sheep wakes up in the morning, stretches, you know, says, "I, you know, I think I'll have a cup of coffee to get my day started. Then I'll sit down, I'll do my to-do list while I have it. I'll figure out what's on my agenda for the day. And then I'll get about doing it. Oh, yep, I've got time. I can stop at 7-Eleven, grab a donut. I'm on my way. Who are you following? Well, I'm not following anybody. I'm following my American agenda. 
I'm on my way to my life of success. That's not what Jesus is talking about. You see, we're happy to have Jesus as our Savior. We're happy to have Jesus as our Lord. But let's not talk about this shepherd business. Because if Jesus is my shepherd, then I'm going to have to go and eat the grass that he wants me to eat. Now, get the picture. Here's the sheep. I'm in the pasture. And I say to myself, you know what? Times are tough. And there's going to come a day when I want to retire. So I think today I'm going to chew out this piece. And I'm going to lay that aside over here. So now we've got this sheep. He's going to carry a whole bag of grass back with him. He's going to carry that bag of grass back with him into the fold. And he's going to start stashing his dry grass back here in the back because he plans to retire someday. (laughs) And he wants enough grass to eat when he retires that he can be taken care of. (laughs) Now, you understand... The shepherd said, I'm going to take you in and I'm going to take you out. But obviously, the shepherd doesn't understand this retirement issue. Sheep have to retire. I guess one day the sheep is going to say to himself, look, wool, would you just stop growing? I'm retiring. I'm not going to get any more shearing. I've put in my wool for the day. I'm out of it now. No, a sheep doesn't ever decide to retire. If he does, he's eaten. It's over. So my question to you is, are you a sheep? Do you follow your shepherd? Or have you determined that you're going to make sure that you take care of yourself. Oh, let's, let's tighten this up just a little bit. You know, you never know what kind of an emergency is going to come. And so I want my little hoard over here. I've even encouraged people to have their little hoard over here. You've heard this broadcast, Cash is King and Debt is Dumb. <laughs> have you heard that? Yeah. And we've been saying Christ is king and debt is sin. But you see, I want my little stash over here. So in case I get into an unforeseen emergency, I can handle it. But wait a minute. Is there ever an unforeseen crisis that the shepherd has not already identified? And he knows what he's going to do about it. Oh, I can see it right now. The sheep are standing up on their back legs. And they're saying, Shepherd, I don't like where you're taking us. And I think I have a better idea of where there's greener grass. No, it's not going to happen. See, what I'm asking you tonight is, are you willing to take on the role of being a sheep with Jesus Christ as your shepherd? So that means when you get up in the morning, the question is not, what's my to-do list for today? 
It's when is my shepherd moving out? The question in the morning is not, how am I going to manage the difficulty of meeting my expenses? The question is, where's my shepherd going to take me to feed me today? Now, could I be just uncomplicated and real simple? If Jesus is my shepherd, then he's responsible for me. And I, as a sheep, don't have to have a little side deal operating over here to take care of my lambs. I don't need to have a little side deal going to take care of my you. The shepherd is taking care of his sheep. And so then I'm responsible for turning to him and saying, where do you want me to come out to? And when do you want me to rest? I have never, ever heard of a sheep being responsible. I've never heard of a sheep being responsible for the condition of its coat. Have you? It's the shepherd who's responsible. I've never heard of a sheep stand up in a town meeting and complain about the food. Sheep don't do that. Sheep trust the shepherd. And at its very elemental stage tonight, I'm simply asking you, have you become so sophisticated and so worldly in your life that you have been unable to simply turn in openness to the shepherd and say, I will trust you. I will trust you. If I'm hungry, I will trust you. If I'm sick, I will trust you. If I'm happy, I will trust you. If I'm sad, I will trust you. If I'm broken, I will trust you. George Mueller, this man of incredible stature and faith, would read the Bible four to five times a year, most of those times on his knees. He opened these orphanages at the direction of God. There were times when he would sit down to eat his breakfast meal and he would pray, Lord Jesus, would you give us today our daily bread? Because there was no food in the house. I'm talking about the parsonage house. There was no food in his house. And he would pray, Lord, would you send food to my house today? And then with absolute confidence and trust in the Lord, he would wait for it to happen. On one occasion, there was a knock on the door as he was praying this prayer. His wife went and answered the door. And there was a woman who had cooked dinner and had brought it to his home for them that night. Now, this is the Robert Mueller 
who basically funded the Inland China Ministry with the equivalent today of several million dollars. How did that money come? That money came by simply trusting that Jesus was the shepherd. On one occasion, toward the conclusion of his life, his first wife had died, and he had preached the funeral service. The Lord had appointed to him another wife, and they traveled together. During the last part of his life, he gave up direct leadership of these great orphanages, and he began to travel the countries of the world preaching about walking with simple trust in Jesus. And he knew on this steamer they were not accustomed to taking passengers. And so that morning he had prayed and asked the Lord if he would please send him a reclining chair that he could be on the deck and simply rest outside so that he could have a place to pray. Well, the steamship was ready to leave. They were beginning to take in the gangplank. And those close to him were saying, where's your chair? He said, don't worry. It's on its way. It will be here. And suddenly, through the crowd of people sending off everyone who was traveling, here comes a man with a chair holding it above his head to make way through the crowd. They extend once more the gangplank, and this man sends the chair up for Pastor Mueller. He had no doubt his chair would be there, and it was there. On another occasion, on a trip, he was aboard a ship. He had a speaking engagement, and suddenly the fog came down, heavy. The ship had to come to a stop. He immediately went up to the captain's, the captain's control center, and he said to him, Please, sir, we have to move this ship. And the captain said, Only God can move this fog. Mueller said, You're right. He dropped to his knees. He said, Lord, would you remove this fog? You've sent me on an appointment. Would you remove this fog? The captain was scornful. Within minutes, the fog was blown away, and the ship was moving. I mean, Mueller's life is full of incident after incident after incident like this. By the thousands, his prayer journals have request after request, answer after answer after answer. Now, we don't pray very much because we haven't seen very many answers. And it seems like a practice of yoga. In fact, the popular preaching today about prayer is that prayer doesn't change God, it just changes you. Well, I tell you what, if prayer just changes me, I'd never pray again. I'm not interested in yoga exercise. I'm interested in getting on my face before God and praying his heart 
and having that prayer answered specifically and concretely. And you can determine the measure of a man or woman standing with God by whether or not their prayers change the physical realm. There are things you'll never receive from God if you don't pray. Things he's willing to give you. Blessings he's willing to pour out. He will never pour out if you do not pray. Prayer is that cooperative venture between your heart and the heart of God. And when you two come into union together and you become his sheep and he is your shepherd, and you're willing to go where he calls you, you're willing to do what he asks you to do, then all of heaven's door is open to you. And as you ask, Jesus said, anything you ask of the Father, it will be given unto you. Your prayers then will be answered. So there's a very simple test to determine whether or not you are following Jesus as a shepherd. That is, are your prayers answered? Do you have a history of continually, daily answered prayers? If not, I would urge you to reconsider who you're following. And if you're following yourself, then you're responsible for answering your own prayers. For many years as a pastor, I basically answered my own prayers. I would go to the board of the church and I would outline the program and I would say, now let's pray about it. And then off I'd go to fulfill my prayer with the belief that God helps those who help themselves. And so that task would be accomplished and that mission would be accomplished. Say, look what God has done. God wasn't in it. It could have been accomplished by any good humanist. Till I came to the point where I said, I'm not going to cover for God anymore. I'm not going to pretend anymore. Either God has to step in and answer the prayer, or it's not going to get done, because I'm not going to pretend for him. Now, that was a rebellious kind of attitude. But I tell you, as I adopted that attitude, and as I walked that out, I suddenly began to see my prayers being answered in the concrete realm, in the physical realm. Now, I recognize that when a shepherd begins to lead his sheep, they're leaving from a night of being very dry. And they have a mind set for only one thing. They want a drink of water. And so you're going to hear the sheep bleeding. You're going to hear the noisy bleeding of sheep as they are making their way. And it's going to take them some time to get to the water. You understand what I'm saying? Yes. (laughs) As you begin to pray, because that need is desperate and urgent, you bleat one time, And you say, well, I guess God isn't going to answer my prayer. I'm not going to be a part of this deal. I'll go be my own shepherd. Thank you very much. I know where I can get my own water. I don't need you to get me water, God. I can get my own water. And off I go to get my own water. So I get my drink. And, of course, the shepherd is gone. 
And I said, never mind, I'll catch him again tonight. But what am I going to do with the wolves all day? What am I going to do with the poison plants growing that I love to eat? So many of you today have been dining on poison. Poison thoughts, poison attitudes, poison things in the culture, poison radio. Poison to your heart, to your system. Because as you were coming out of the sheep pen, you wanted to follow Jesus, but you were thirsty, and he wasn't getting you to the water fast enough according to your way of thinking. So you said, I'll go get my own. Now part of what I've learned in this following Jesus as a shepherd is that I have to wait on him to take me where he wants to take me to satisfy my thirst. I have to follow him. Now, as a pastor, I'm going to be very specific with you. It would not be hard to pack this house. We could fill this place very quickly. Some name people that we know who would come and preach for us, do some marketing deals, you know, jazz it up a little bit, get the right music people. This place would be packed out. People would come and they'd enjoy the show. (laughs) And then we'd have a chance to influence them. Well, I could do that. But then I'd be a thief and a robber. Then I'd be coming in some way other than Jesus. Now I recognize in our culture what I'm describing is not well thought of. Everything has to be hype and fast. Everything has to be promotion and marketing. Everything has to be fast-paced. Nobody has long attention spans. Everything has to be preached in 10 or 15, 20 minutes max. I mean, don't talk to me about an hour service. I'm not going to put up with that. I mean, one dear young man this last week, I said, how was church on Sunday? He said, I'm never going back. I said, why aren't you going back? He said, the preacher went on and on for an hour. I can't stand that. (laughs) You know, he wants a a McDonald church. He wants to drive through and pick up his Happy Meal. You know, he doesn't want to follow Jesus. He doesn't want to take the time and energy it takes to be disciplined, to be taught the way of holiness, to patiently be dealt with. And believe me, he doesn't want the shepherd to break his leg and hang him around his neck. You know, that's what the shepherd would do with a lamb that would always be running off by itself. Break its leg, splint it, and hang him around the shepherd's neck. Now he's going to go with the shepherd. (laughs) He's going to become accustomed to the smell of the shepherd's garments. He's going to become accustomed to the voice of the shepherd. He's going to become accustomed to the caressing of the shepherd. And when finally his leg is healed and he's put down, he will press the closest to the shepherd's leg. But knowing that and wanting that 
are two very different things. So again, I ask you tonight, have you been following a thief or a robber? Or have you been following the shepherd, Jesus Christ? And I have been forced this week to stop, constantly to stop and ask the question, is that where Jesus is going now? If I'm uncertain, then I'm not going there. I go into my prayer closet. What does Jesus want me to read? What does Jesus want me to pray? When I go to the kitchen, what does Jesus want me to eat? How does he want me to walk? When I go to the radio broadcast, what does he want me to speak? I tell you, all this week, the Holy Spirit has just been pouring through this radio broadcast. And Jan and I have been just waiting in the mornings before the Lord. And we've been saying, Lord, what do you want us to say today? And as we've gone into that studio, the Lord has quickened it. He's quickened it. And then he's opened it up beyond even what we had thought or planned. We've... We've sensed his presence. He's been there. God is no respecter of persons. He'll go with you too. And as you go to your place of employment, have you followed Jesus to that place of employment? First, are you where Jesus sent you? If not, confession and repentance is required. Now now that you're there, do you trust Jesus to pick you up and show you how to deal with that and, and how to move to the next place? Do you believe that Jesus is the one who gives you the ability to gain wealth? Do you believe that you gain it by your own skill and your own cunning, or do you believe you gain it by walking in obedience to Jesus Christ? I've never seen a sheep with side pockets, have you? Can you imagine a sheep walking down through the field, side pockets full of gold? Sheep, why do you have all that gold? Well, in case the shepherd fails me. It's for hard times. No. Absolute trust in the shepherd. So the shepherd says, now, I want you to lay this aside for this purpose. Then it's laid aside for that purpose. I'm not doing it out of my flesh. I'm not doing it out of my wisdom. I'm doing it out of the command of Jesus because he wants that place there. And when the time comes, he'll tell me, now take that off the shelf and go do with it what I've told you to do with it. But now let me ask you a question. This is laid on the shelf at the direction of Jesus for his purpose. And I run into a tight time over here. Now do I go dip into that? No. He's not giving me a hoard over here to cover my slack time. The Lord is giving this church a fund. We've asked the Lord for $100,000 to do FM radio. Well, now tell me, 
If we're short at the end of the month to pay next month's radio bill on AM, do we go over and take some money out of the FM side over here to the... No. We don't. Bless the Lord. Because Jesus said, lay that aside for FM. So now for my daily bread, I don't trust what's laid aside for FM. I trust what Jesus wants to do. So if while we have money in the FM fund, the AM fund dries up, we simply go off the air on the AM side. Does that make sense to you? Do you follow me? So the Lord asks you to lay aside an amount of money over here to be for a very special purpose. And now you have a tight time, your car breaks down, and you say, now how am I going to make it through? Well, I'm going to go grab out of this. No, you're not. Did Jesus tell you to lay this aside for a very specific purpose? Then leave it alone. And trust in what Jesus will do. See, the question is, do I trust in the money or do I trust in Jesus? Do I trust in his hand day by day to supply my need and my want? Do I trust Jesus or don't I? Is he faithful or isn't he? If I can't trust Jesus in these little things... How can I trust Jesus with my eternal life? I can't. Day by day, I build my trust in Jesus by looking to him and allowing him to be my provision. He brings the job. He brings the opportunity. He brings circumstances into my life. Whatever it is that is needful, do I trust Jesus to bring that to me? You know what the ultimate question really is. Is Jesus the shepherd or am I the shepherd? Do I trust him or do I trust me? Do I trust him until he takes a path I don't like? And then I say, I'm not going that way, Jesus. I'll catch you on the other side of the ravine. Do we trust Jesus? This passage so powerfully talks about this in Psalm 23. I want to look at it just for a moment with you. David begins, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. Do you understand the faith statement that is? First, the Lord is my shepherd, and I shall not be in want. So I am going to trust Jesus. I'm going to trust Jesus with this congregation. I'm going to trust Jesus with the AM radio. I'm going to trust Jesus with the FM radio. I'm going to trust Jesus with my wife. I'm going to trust Jesus with my life and with my health. I'm going to trust Jesus. I'm going to do exactly what he tells me to do. I'm going to go exactly where he tells me to go. And my agendas and my dreams, I lay down and I no longer pursue because I'm trusting Jesus to bring me in and to take me out. 
It does not say, my job is my shepherd. It does not say, my skill is my shepherd. It does not say, my ability to make money, my business expertise is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Now here's the lie. The common lie that Satan uses against God's people all the time. If you trust Jesus as your shepherd, you're going to lose everything. If you trust Jesus as your shepherd, he's going to make you miserable. I mean, isn't that what he said to Eve? God's holding out on you. And if you really want to be happy, then take charge of your own life. You can't trust God. He comes with that same lie today. And I simply bear witness and testify before you this day that the Lord God of heaven has not made me miserable. He's made my life a life of joy and peace. He has not destroyed my heart. He's built my heart up. He's given me peace. The devil said, if you follow Jesus, if you surrender, if you stop taking salary, you're going to go bankrupt. Just the opposite's been true. He has provided day by day, abundantly. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Now, those of you who know sheep, know that sheep, when they're hungry, continue to eat until they make it a barren land. They even pull the grass up by the roots. They destroy pastures. So if these sheep are lying down in green pastures, it's because they have been so filled that they can't eat another bite. Praise God. He leads me beside quiet waters. As you know, sheep are afraid of rushing water and they will not drink. Now listen to this. It's saying that Jesus understands what your fears are. And he will make accommodation for your fears so that you will not be overwhelmed and traumatized to a point you won't be able to function. He's that caring about us. He restores my soul. Satan says, if you let Jesus be your shepherd, he will destroy your soul. David says, he will restore your soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness. In other words, the restraining power of the Holy Spirit is going to be on your life. And when you're tempted to turn to that pornography, or you're tempted to turn to that attitude, or you're tempted to turn to that anger, he's saying the restraining power of the Holy Spirit will draw you back out of that and will cause you to walk in paths of righteousness. 
not for your name's sake, for his name's sake. In other words, when you call yourself a Christian, the Lord God has a vested interest in making sure you don't bring shame to his name. And so he's going to send his Holy Spirit to direct your steps so that you don't mess up. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now, you know the rod is used for punishment. The staff is used for rescue. So he's saying, if you'll follow me as your shepherd, you are going to go down through some scary times. It looked like you're going to die. You're not going to die. And you're not going to die because the rod of God is going to get you right over the back if you don't walk in the right place. The punishment of God will fall on your life. The pain will be there. But secondly, the staff will be there to rescue you, to pull you out of harm's way. And then listen to this. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Well, I don't know about you, but I have some enemies. My enemies are my old habits. My enemies are my temptations and my sins. Those things that I slid so easily into in the past that still want to rise up and grab a hold of me and say, I own you. You belong to me. Those condemnations that rise up in my heart and say, I'm not good enough. I'm a sinner. I'm unclean. I'm false. I'm a phony. I'm not for real. Those enemies that stand up and taunt me and remind me of my past sins. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. So the picture is, in the presence of all these sins, they're shoved back by the power of God. They don't get to come to the table and eat. But the Lord spreads a table for me. And he says, come and sit down at the table. And I'm going to feed you. Now some of you hurt yourself by going back and feasting on the enemies. And you begin to believe the lies of the past. And you begin to believe, yep, I did it. I don't deserve God's mercy. I might as well go and eat worms. I might as well give up. I was excited during the praise and worship. My wife took my hand and squeezed it real tight. She said, no matter what, we're not going back. Praise God. I said, you're right. We're not going back. We're not going back to condemnation. We're not going back to the sins of the past. We're not going back to the old habits. We're not going back to being our own shepherds. We're not going back to following our own ways. We are going to follow Jesus. And wherever he leads us, he's going to prepare a table for us in the presence of our enemies. You anoint my head with oil. 
My cup overflows. That's the cup of joy. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So is there a worn path from your house to God's house? Or is there a worn path from your house to Satan's house? Thank you so much for joining us today. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. Brought to you by the National Prayer Chapel in Woodbridge, Virginia. Write to us at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia 22195, or visit us online at nationalprayerchapel.com. God bless you. We love you.